This is Tommy. This is Zach. This is Conrad. And you are now listening to Not Too Sweet, a podcast about bars by bartenders. today's episode we'll be catching up on some uh, current events in the cocktail industry in new york city and also having a little uh, reading series on uh, one of the truly great uh <laughs> drinks columns of all time uh but before we get to that as always what are you guys drinking zach uh so we're doing it a little earlier this time it's still coffee time where I'm at, so I'm doing an iced coffee. I also, full disclosure, I made some cold brew and there was a little bit left over and I just didn't feel like finding another container. So I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to drink it. <laughs> Fair enough. Conrad? I, uh, I have a Pimm's Cup here. Um, I have some cucumbers from my CSA and some parsley from my CSA um a little bit of grapes that we found uh when we were walking down on like 50th and 8th or in that in that area and i have some of the um the gowanus chief gin from uh new york distilling so and and pims obviously so i put together a pims cup it's actually really delicious uh when you say when you say you found grapes (laughs) on 58th and 8th i I kept walking are these wild grapes that you picked? I, I, I did. No, I, I, I just went shopping. Um, okay. I just went walking down the neighborhood and it was my, my and, and I saw like the mini grapes and, and Megan's like super into those. And I was like, yeah, we'll grab some of those. And I threw it into a Pimm's cup. That's because that's what you do with a Pimm's cup. Totally. A bunch of things and throw it together. And uh, we did a whole podcast about this. Um, <laughs> well, I was like, we got to talk about terroir if we're talking about... Uh... <laughs> A little Sunset Park grapes. Oh, God. I don't even want to know what the terroir would be. Um. Um, I'm having a, uh, a cocktail from uh, one of my favorite cocktail bars, Cure, in New Orleans. Um, this one's called uh, Drink of Laughter and Forgetting, which I think is a, is a good title. It's uh, the basis Chenar... Oh. It's uh, Chinara green chartreuse, lime juice, demerara syrup, and Angostura bitters. That's a great name, especially if you have two or three of them. Um, it feels about right. Yeah, exactly. Um, the money. That's, <laughs> that's named after uh, a novel. I'm blanking on the author. Kundera? No, Kundera, yeah. I think I'd rather have a drink of laughter and forgetting than a book, though, because... If, if you're going to be laughing and forgetting, might as well just take the drink instead of go through the work of reading the book. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's better use, better time management, I guess. Um, well, before we get to the, um, the fun stuff uh, in the reading series, uh, I, I thought we should address um, sort of what's been going on in New York City lately as regards uh, bars and restaurants and how our uh, state and uh, city governments have been uh, managing it. 
Um, this is actually something that I'm glad that we're getting to speak on because I've been doing it for a couple of different establishments. And yeah, I, I have some uh, very, very strong opinions. I, I usually do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, before we sort of start uh, giving our thoughts on this, I just want, you know, to let the listeners know they might not be in the industry. They might not know exactly what the regulations are. But basically right now, uh, you, have to f- you have to serve like a meal with drinks uh, for each person uh, that orders a drink. Um, basically, you know, these uh, barn restaurant owners are uh, forced to buy or construct outdoor barriers. Uh, they have to prevent mingling in groups. They have to close by 11 p.m. They uh, basically also uh, are responsible for enforcing, you know, anti-open container and social distancing rules within a hundred feet radius of uh, their establishment. Um, And just recently, um, you know, the SLA, uh, which is the state liquor authority has been doing raids at various uh, locations and reports are that they're sort of, you know, doing these ludicrous things like looking at the receipts for like making sure that, you know, there are printed receipts for like every single food item, like as they are like, you know, purchase for every drink or whatever yeah um yeah so i you know and and also recently uh there's been a lot of controversy over the fact that uh governor cuomo and uh, mayor de blasio have not uh i've been sort of refusing to address the idea of indoor dining which some bars and restaurant owners have been pushing for and they said we have no plan for it there's no timetable you know we can't tell you anything about that essentially um, so yeah, I don't know. How do you guys feel about uh, everything that's going on right now? It certainly has a lot of uh, restaurant and bar owners upset. I mean, I understand why they're upset because fundamentally they can't make money right now. Um, and as the current state of the game is, after uh, October thirty first, they have nothing. Uh, I, I understand that as well as anyone. I also do know that. Uh, if you want to do things like social distancing, wearing masks, alcohol isn't possibly the, like probably the best way to enforce that. People tend to be a little lax after a couple of drinks. So I understand where that's coming from. But uh, I think the thing that, that where I feel, or what I feel about it is either you close bars completely instead of trying to make them restaurants and trying to make them jump through these hopes, trying to almost go through like rain's law to, to be able to open <laughs> Uh, instead of trying to make bars jump through hoops, either you close bars or you let them be. Because right now, what, what we're doing is insane. Um, it's insane to, like, many of the many great, or the, the few that are left of, like, the classic New York dive bars, they don't have the, the wherewithal to do this. Like, these people aren't used to producing food. This isn't what they do for a living. And they're just trying to skirt around the, uh, the minimum requirements to meet this new set of... Uh, uh, criteria that seems to also get updated on a weekly basis. Um, so I think that's nuts. I think that it's it's a, a question of um, bar like bars are having a tougher time than like restaurant restaurants um, because they're trying to be restaurants and that's not what they do right. best. And it's also not fair for us as a, a city to watch those places close because they're going to get a bunch of crippling fines over the next however long. 
Yeah, I, I think one other thing that um, for listeners who might not understand what summers in New York are like, <laughs> being being outside is not always a pleasant experience, no. either because it is so swampy or a torrential downpour just comes out of nowhere. And so, like, <laughs> being forced to just be caught in the rain and I guess you wouldn't be allowed inside, right? Like no, bar, bartenders yeah. can go back inside, but the guests can't. So it's like, it's definitely uh, the kind of thing where those rains can just come out of nowhere and really ruin your day. And from what I've heard, there's been like a few days of like back-to-back rain each week where it's just like, you might as well not even be open. They've also been on, on what, what are basically great days. There are those classic like summer thunderstorms where it just pelts it down for like 15 to 20 minutes. But if you happen to be outside eating during that period of time, what are you going to do? You can't go inside. Uh, like you have to either suck it up or just leave. Uh, so for, for customers, that's not a great way to be either because there's nothing I can do when I'm working to help you out. I can't be like come inside like I usually would because that's like verboten. So like, it, it puts us in a weird position in the industry too, saying like, I'm sorry, you're not allowed in here right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think so much of this is basically, you know, the state and city governments um, refusing to sort of like actually enact the kinds of policies that would actually solve this issue at its core, right? Like making some sort of, you know, rent freeze or reduction for these establishments, something that would help them go on, you know, increase unemployment, et cetera, for the workers, right? And instead of addressing those problems at, the, at their root, they're basically just putting, you know, the onus of solving the problem on, you know, workers and, uh, you know, these restaurants and bars, right? They're saying, oh, well, no, no, it's on you. You can reopen, yeah, and have outdoor dining and, but also you have to do all these, you know, 10,000 extra things. And if you don't do them, we're going to fine you. And some of those things are absurd, like uh, building, building barricades of certain height. Uh, And well, yes, I like the idea of outdoor dining. I love the fact that we have them. The fact that uh, that was something that has to have to be hastily constructed. um, I think it was like three days that Boz had to like, Oh, I get to do this and let's figure it out. Uh, that, That seems a little nuts to me. Uh, but yeah, the other thing is, is like, they're so ununiform and, and in such different size and shapes that as a, as a driver, I can imagine that would be an interesting thing when you're driving down streets, uh, especially at night, like when there aren't any lights there and it's after 11 and you can't really see that much. And this kind of comes out of nowhere. So like, that's gotta be an issue too. I know, uh, a couple of blocks down from me, a bar named Loren had their outdoor seating uh, driven through uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, and the same kind uh, of uh, incident. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think that indoor dining probably is too dangerous at this point in time. Um, but I also think, I think there are other ways to help these, you know, businesses make a little bit more money. I mean, why do they have to close at 11? Like, 
the bars in my neighborhood when I'm, you know, on the weekends, I'm walking around and they are packed until 11, in which case, at which point they all have to leave. And it's like, well, if you left that open for a few more hours, like they would have a few more hours of making money. Those people wouldn't leave, you know? I, I feel like... Uh, is, it, is it noise ordinance because you're outside? Uh, because you're outdoors? Because technically a- you haven't been able to ever have guests, unless you have a backyard with a special permit, even if you have outdoor seating, you're supposed to close that at 11 o'clock due to noise yeah. ordinance stuff. These also weren't put through community boards. It was just like an ad hoc thing that happened. So I understand why uh, they're trying to keep neighbors, like neighbors happy around bars. But um, it's fundamentally absurd to me. Like this is still New York. People don't go out till like eight. So you get busy yeah. for like two hours and you have to like, then you're done. Uh, it's, and the, that's that's kind of what I was saying about let bars be bars. It's not a restaurant. It's it's a bar. Either you close them down and give them the financial uh, things to help them survive during it, or you let them. Way house is like saying we'll give you just enough money to survive, and like after that I don't care. That's kind of what it is, uh, and I don't like it at all. Yeah. yeah, and like if you're closing the bar down at eleven, um, like you're saying, New Yorkers go out late. So what are people going to do after that? They're going to go to someone's apartment. Yeah. And that's far more dangerous because they're like, indoors. Well, they're going to drink on the street um, in, right. a, in, a, in a large group of people uh, unmasked and without. Yeah, they're not going to do anything um, like safe after that period of time. No. No. It, it should almost be like, it should almost be like your parents saying like, hey, like do it here so we can look after you. Um, <laughs> yes. That's what we should be saying right now. And it's the only time I'm ever going to say this in my life. Um, I feel like it's like you can't, if we have a, a, a city and a state governments that don't believe that adults can be adults and trusted, then either you have to ban them completely or you have to watch them and or have the ability to be watched. And what you have right now is this weird like halfway house where people leave bars at nine and then do crazy things. There was a couple of raves in my neighborhood not that long ago that that were like- I heard about that. Yeah, in, I live in Sunset Park and and like we have kind of a a huge number of people who are are testing positive right now. So it's not the time to be having a rave, like a rave in Sunset Park. But this is what happens if if people that have been basically under under, uh, like stay at home orders for months, like want to blow off a little steam, and they can't just like go to a bar and sit down for a few hours. They go and do something even crazier, and the potential long-term health of, uh, effects are, are nuts to that. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I feel like with so much of the pandemic in general, people, and I'm sure I fall victim to this too. Like, first of all, we can't think worst case scenario like i know it wasn't until tommy shared an article with me from the imperial college in london i believe that was the name of the school yeah where i was like oh yeah we're just like everything is fucked until at least march of 2020 or 2021 yeah and we might as well start planning now for like what for for this stuff it's like 
they've had since April to be like, well, maybe by the end of summer, it's going to be the same. We won't be doing indoor dining. What are we going to do for all of these restaurants? Also, it's not just that, like, it's not just the noise in the neighborhood. I bet you if you pulled most of the neighborhoods that have neighborhood bars, they would rather them be open until one or two and maybe not sleep quite as well than just all the bars in their neighborhood be gone. Depends on the neighborhood. <laughs> um, if we're talking Park Slope, no way in hell. Uh, those people don't give a shit. <laughs> um, I had people complain that uh, that the outdoor space were taking potential parking spaces. And I'm like, well, this is in New York and what percentage of people have cars and what percentage of the people go to bars? Like, do you want to do the crunch the numbers on that? Because it sounds incredibly selfish what you're trying to argue right now. But yeah, no, there are certain neighborhoods and that's one of them. Uh, I, I, as someone who lived in the neighborhood for a very long time, people in Park Slope don't give a shit about anyone else. Um, and there are definitely those neighborhoods, a lot of them in Brooklyn, a lot of them just this side of Atlantic Avenue or just south of Atlantic Avenue, where people are like, I don't care. Like, I don't go to bars. Like, I have three children. Um, I, don't, I don't care. Um, I can still get uh, my, re- my local restaurant to deliver me overpriced pasta. Um, so, like, <laughs> there's that. Um, this, this whole pandemic, more than anything else, has kind of just illustrated the point that in this country, people are incredibly selfish. Uh, And New York, people are better than elsewhere. We're used to sharing space. We're used to sharing a lot of the conveniences of modern life, but people are still fucking terrible here. Um, And so you have these two kind of things that you have to do. You have to kind of placate the many many people that are like well i don't care if the restaurants or bars will close they'll we'll get a new owner and they'll open in three months afterwards which is definitely a thing that people think uh and also i don't care about minimum wage workers like i don't give a shit about them that's not me or my friends i don't know any of them so you have that going on here but i guess i i totally believe you that that is how a lot of people are but to my point that i'm making is like thinking short-term about like what you want versus long-term like okay so the desirability of the neighborhood goes down if half the bars and restaurants are gone and you can't get into the other half then your property value starts to go down you're going to start complaining about that real quick because no one's going to want to move (laughs) to your neighborhood because there's nothing to do there I mean, I, I completely agree, but I feel like uh, there's not that much movement going on right now, despite the fact that all three of us have moved in the last two months. Um, it's like it's like the, you know, Ron DeSantis or whatever his name is, refusing to understand that, like, keeping a lid on the pandemic is actually an economic decision and will benefit yeah. you much more greatly in the long run as a yeah. state <laughs> than staying open for the time that everyone else quarantined. Yeah. No, I, you're totally right. I, yeah. I can't, I can't, uh, you know, I think there's been a lot of, uh, this has weirdly been a bunch of praise of Cuomo, you know, from people who live outside of New York, I think. Um, where they're like, wow, look at that. You know, he believes in science. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> if that's where you want to set the bar, okay. Um, 
that's my that's my desire for a president now is just one that believes in science so if, that, <laughs> if that's uh where we're setting the bar all of us could uh do the high jump at the olympics uh <laughs> that's ridiculously low um and and Cuomo is terrible um yeah, like really the, the idea that that he's been shopping a book about this, uh, which right? is a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. great. You've been doing a, a great job. Um, and <laughs> the other thing is, like, <laughs> you know what? He's he's looked he's looked like what he always was. Like, I'm not a fan of his policies, but he, policies, but he is a competent politician, and he looks like yeah. that. Um, and that's that's the only thing. It's like, wow, we have such an inept presidency that like seeing a politician with, with some kind of competence is unusual now. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I genuinely think that's true though, because like so many people were watching, especially early on, his press conferences. And then it was like it was his press conference and then it was Trump's, and it was like mm-hmm. <laughs> In that in in that dichotomy, the the contrast couldn't be starker. But right, or, Cuomo has the ability to follow a PowerPoint, and Donald Trump doesn't. Like right, but I I feel like we need to start calling this uh, Bill and Drew's terrible adventure or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. Well. After that depressing topic. Well, uh, actually, well, I, 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 I hadn't finished yet. So oh, no, please we, we keep going. Go well, go. okay. The one, the one thing I wanted to say is that I think we always already kind of acknowledged that indoor dining is probably not the best idea right now. Um, and I'm very, very happy that we're not pushing for that for multiple reasons. Uh, I don't feel like as, oh, a worker in such a place that I'm going to get the kind of protection that I would like. I feel like that I'm uh, likely to be uh, one of the, the people that, that is, is most at risk at this. But mm-hmm. but also at, at the same time, I just, I don't feel like it's necessary. Like there are so many things. If we haven't necessarily figured out how school is going to work and we're talking about opening bars, that's insane to me. Uh, that comes first. Like there are so <laughs> many things that come before being able to have a really good daiquiri in a bar. And I want to have a really good daiquiri in a bar, but I would w- much rather like children and teachers be okay. Like the, there are certain things that have certain societal weight and the ability to have a really, really nice Negroni at four in the afternoon or at two in the morning is not like high on the list right now. I agree. No, but that's, I mean, like, just to play it out, like, I feel like we've been thinking about this for four months now. Like, what would you guys do? What What would you have them do? Just shut everything down and cut the bar owners some kind of yeah refund, essentially? No, I would have had them do that four months ago. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, and... that was the point I was making of, like, we can't think long. Nobody seems yeah. to want to think long term about this. Yeah, there's there's always been the kind of let's sweep it under the the rug and hope it disappears. Let's, and that hasn't seemed to work. Uh, and yeah, I think things are going to have to close. Um, mainly because I don't think indoor dining is until I'm proven otherwise, and hopefully I am. I don't think it's safe right now. 
uh, hopefully we can go back to that because that comes, that's the first step in our industry coming back because our industry isn't really the, the bar or the restaurant world. It, it's, it's something different right now, something less than what we used to have. And people expect it to be what it used to be only a few months ago. And I'm like, well, at every place they go into this one person doing three people's jobs because this place had been closed for four months and they can't afford to have the extra labor anymore. Um, so that's, that has to be the first thing that happens, but I, I don't see it happening anytime before I'm going to say mid October. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's looking grim with these hurricanes that are coming to you. Cause that just means people are going to have to go to things like stadiums and domes when they're, if their houses are screwed which that's just a cesspool slash, you know, Petri dish. Yeah, geez, that's true. Um, how is it in, how is it in New Mexico, Zach? Or like, so if you're familiar at this point, I know it's, you haven't been there for that long. But. It feels a little bit. So like, I think I was mentioning one time that it hit a little bit later here. So like when I got here in the middle of July was when, they were like they were ahead of the curve, but also it was like every single like freeway exit. It was like master mandatory signs and like all visitors must quarantine for fourteen days signs everywhere. But then of course like you know you have the same type of redneck you do anywhere else who's got his like nose dick hanging out over his mask, or you know he's just so refusing to to wear one but most people in the city are always wearing them i'm actually you know, it's funny now because i'll be like in the car driving and just shocked at how many people are wearing masks in the car and oh. I'm like, you're by yourself like if you have it <laughs> you're not going to give it to yourself more um yeah hopefully with the windows up because it's hot outside and crank the ac oh, yeah and I mean, the thing that is, that is kind of strange is I randomly live pretty close to a hospital. And so when I'm biking around, all of a sudden I'll just see like mobile testing sites and, and random parts of the hospital. In terms of people going out, I don't have a full sense of what the normal, like pre-pandemic life was like here to know like oh there's way less people out than there normally is i do know that most of the bars and restaurants have these things called parking lots and what they've been allowed to do <laughs> what they've been allowed to do is just set up giant tents in the parking lot so you can have outdoor dining and your servers bring your food to you outdoors and i i mean i see people doing it um but where do you park your car when you drive to that bar and then drive home drunk? Well, I'm sure you've you've seen in most parts of the United States, there's uh, five to ten times as many parking spaces <laughs> yeah. as are needed in a given parking lot so that everyone can park three or four cars apart. Or if they've got a real sweet El Camino, you know, they can park three across or something. <laughs> But that doesn't really seem to be something that people are talking about much. 
in terms of like the impact it, it has. Um, most places that I've seen also already had like a, a to go window to the outside just like built yeah. in so people could like walk up. Um, so a lot of the coffee shops already had that. So that that's what they're doing to stay open. And um, they already had outdoor seating, which obviously 95 degrees in the sun isn't that pleasant, but it's a little bit of a siesta culture out here because it gets so hot. People do stuff until about one and then they don't really go back out until about seven. Well, uh, and you can get yourself a nice uh, frozen aperol spritz to, to, to go uh, while you're out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can say what I've observed, but also, you know, I, I love public radio. I've been listening to local public radio and bars and restaurants are just not something they talk about. Mm. It's, it's hit the reservation just so hard. That's like the thing that they talk about a lot. Um, I've learned some really upsetting things about the federal government and the Native American people. Um, so I feel like that's where a lot of the resources and effort is is going and a lot of the focus. Yeah. <laughs> there uh, that's totally fair. Um, Conrad, did you have some more stuff you wanted to get off your chest or are we uh, ready um, to go? No, I um, I think the the one last thing that uh, I'm going to say, I, I don't want to turn this into a rant, although I kind of already <laughs> have, is that um, the idea of putting uh, the responsibility of looking after people's general welfare, welfare on the one overstretched member of staff at many a place right now is insane and that's what we've been doing and that's what we're going to continue to do um i i think that uh all in all i probably if it was my choice would close it all down i'd, I'd have restaurants with the potential of indoor dining before i'd have bars open with indoor dining i think yeah. that that people don't do things in bars that are conducive to um ending uh the coronavirus at all um i think everything that you do in a bar is is the complete opposite of what we should be doing right now and as much as like it would be a, a personal uh hit to the wallet i i think if we close it for a little bit it would just be better in the long term yeah i'm i'm totally in agreement on that i mean it also just seems like it, it makes so much more sense to me that you would ticket the individual over the business because you could make so much more money. <laughs> like you just could. Plus yeah, the people, also, the people who like us are unemployed are probably not going out to bars all that often relative to the people who still have their job at Google or whatever. But you could also, uh, if, if you wanted to be that way, you could, issue fines to businesses that you wanted to be closed down for a while. Find uh, businesses that you felt dive bars, places that you felt were a blight on the community. You could deliberately target those places <laughs> and you're, make them no more. You're saying as it is right now. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying right yeah. now. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of a thing that's been happening. Yeah. Jeez. Um, 
yeah i you know also just want to say that you know obviously when we talk about closing closing all the places uh down at the moment we also mean like that coming with assistance for those places yeah, right? so that they don't course. close down I, and for those workers that it would it would have to be yeah. um yeah, exactly i i think that it's a it's a public health issue and i think that it would be cheaper uh in the long term to to help these places out while we figure things out than it would be to deal with the long-term repercussions of continual spread of this right now i think yeah. that's that's cheaper um than it's a cheaper alternative it's also the, the better one yeah and it's the it's the kind of thing of like so four months ago they didn't want to spend that money now that it's four months later they're like well we can't do that because if we were going to do that we really should have done it four months ago so we'd already be past it and that's why until there's a vaccine it's just going to keep cycling like this is not wanting to spend a little bit more money up front to do a lot more damage against the pandemic in terms of keeping it under control. I mean, that I, I completely agree, but people always say when there's a vaccine, that's still an if. That's still an if that we're talking about. There is, there is no reason to, uh, there are many different viruses that exist that we don't have vaccines for. Um, so yes, I believe that in the next 12 months, we'll probably have one, but that's still an if. Yeah. Not a when. It's a highly probable if, but it's still an if. Yeah. Well, for our audience, for uh, you know, making it through uh, the vegetables portion of the podcast, um, <laughs> we've got we've got a little treat for you in uh, uh, this incredible uh, column. Um, I did want to bring up, you know. Uh, since we've been, you know, mourning the loss of uh, all these great bars and stuff, I wanted to mourn the loss. It was a loss from a while back of, you know, the greatest drinks column of all time. Um, uh, you know, this was a drinks column for a New York Times magazine. So obviously, it's got to be well written and well researched. You know, a heavyweight. A heavyweight. Yeah, it's, it's the new. It's the. It's the. It's, you know, it's the goal. It's a. It's the paper of record. Like, come on. Um, and uh, not only that, but uh, uh, genius chef, uh, sexual abuser, and um, uh, you know, tip stealer, Mario Batali was the author. So uh, allegedly, allegedly, all of those things. Um, no, I, I think provably all of those things. <laughs> you, can pr- you, you can prove that he was a chef. I have the books that can prove That's it. Um, he's, he's mentioned in the Flavor Bible. I have that. It's right here. Uh, he used to, by the way, that they need to put a new edition out where he's not involved <laughs> in it. Like desperately, if they haven't already, um, just like blur him out of the history of New York culinary uh, institutions. <laughs> um, yes. So uh, we are sort of, uh, I was introduced to this column um, by a Slate article titled Mario Batali is the world's worst drinks writer uh, by Troy Patterson. Um, so we're going to, you know, go through some of these uh, specs that uh, Mario has laid out for us here and, um, you know, talk about how great they are. 
Um, I, I also love the fact that we're talking about uh, an article which is uh, about Mario Vitelli, but it's written by an, a dude whose name is Troy Patterson. Like, that's that's the thing, too. That is, <laughs> oh, my God, that is the blandest name I've ever heard in my life. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Troy Patterson. Like, it, you're doing good work. I actually really enjoyed the article, but, yeah. Dear God. <laughs> um, well, first, I mean, I think, you know, one of the things we gleaned from this article is, you know, Batalia is really into two things, rum and whiskey. So let's start off with his, uh, you know, rum daiquiri variations as we recently... <laughs> Recently did an episode on the daiquiri. Um, How's episode two coming along? It's out. It's out. Episode two? Yeah, it's been out. Oh, nice. I didn't know that. I thought only episode one was out. No, I texted both of you guys. Scroll up on the chain, bro. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I work, you know? (laughs) (laughs) All the two of you aren't working. My phone blows up and I just kind of like, oh, okay. this This isn't like directly important now. I'll go over it later. Um, I know. Sorry, I know. Sorry about that. I know how it goes, man. <laughs> um, okay. So speaking uh, of, I, I mean, it, it does bear some discussion. Like, if you're friends with the bartender, you need to understand. Like, inevitably, during their shift is when they get all of their text messages for the day. All of them. And mm. you have time to kind of like slightly check your phone usually, but. It's like, oh, my grandmother's in the hospital. That's a text that I need to respond to. Like, I'm wor- like, I, I just got off work and I'm going to the beach. You want to come? Like, I, I'm not even going to spend my time responding to that because I'm at a, I'm at work. And then if you're on a thread with a bartender who's at work, <laughs> you are making their life fucking miserable. I'm just telling you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite things of, about being at work is undoubtedly you'll get like nothing texts from your bosses that you're expected to return whilst also they would complain if one of their friends was in and it was like oh the bartender was on his phone the entire time so these two things happen all the time you're a not meant to look at your phone but your boss will text you all the way through shift and it'll be like how's the shift going <laughs> as if like i need to stop interacting with this customer and deal with this now yeah. um that's that's one of my favorite things. Uh, yeah, don't text your friends when they're working. Just just like I had one night, I had 127 unread text messages, <laughs> and 99 of them were all on the same text chain. Of course. Um, well, back to the topic at hand. Um, uh, let's 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 see what expert. Uh, uh, expert mixologist Mario Batali has to say about the Papa Doble. Um, so here's a, here's a quote. I have heard that Hemingway, who decided he was right about everything, made his daiquiris with double the rum and grapefruit and elderflower. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, this flawless uh, piece of historical research here, that the New York Times approved of and did not um, make him Act change check. at all. Yeah. So uh, what'd you think, guys? Well, is that, I mean, that accurate? He, he, did, he did say, I heard, which is not in any way an <laughs> yeah. assertion of truth. Um, but, right. but also, His editor was like, yeah, he may have heard that. That's true. Yeah, he, he may have heard true. that. He probably did. He was probably told <laughs> that 
by the uh, rep from St. Germain who peddled him this uh, <laughs> recipe. Um, and I was like, yeah, this is how Hemingway liked it. St. Germain. Mean I heard that we're making vaccines to make people immune to religion, right? So, sorry. I mean, you heard it. I heard it. Trump heard it too. Yeah, yeah. people are saying. People are saying. So, it, I mean, it sounds to me like he's confusing Elderflower and Maraschino, first of all. Yeah. Right. Like. Yes, I think so. To give him a slight benefit of the doubt, but then this shows that he didn't even go verify what he thought he knew, which oh. this is from 2013. I'm pretty sure uh, that information was available on the internet. Also, but uh, what was it he did for a uh, living? Was he a realtor? Was he a politician? <laughs> no, he was a chef. Like he should have some kind of idea in the way that all of us do. If we look look at a recipe, uh, look at a spec, we're like. I know what this is going to taste like. I have a good idea. Um, but apparently his fantastic palate um, and some of these specs are just like, yeah, that works. So doesn't this like cast the whole thing about his entire cooking repertoire as much as this fucking column? Because um, <laughs> if anyone thinks that these drinks are balanced, I would hate to taste their food. Yeah. I mean, the palate behind this, I think the the, the main theme is this is, I'm not saying he is, but because that might be legally actionable, but this is the palate of an alcoholic. I'm just saying, I would not be surprised if alcoholics had a similar palate. Oh, no, he, he can go right ahead and sue me for the $8 in my bank account. Because um, <laughs> the only thing that would be better than his, you know, all the publicity he's got for all of the sexual misdeeds is like, like sex offender Mario Batali sues... <laughs> Like the Brooklyn bartender for having an opinion on his drinks column. I'd love to see that on it. Like, do you think, what kind of publicity do you think that would be for him? Uh, it would be terrible. There is, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Mario Vitale. Like, yeah, I mean, also. You can take all $8 I have. It's fine. Um... <laughs> also, just to be clear, I mean, it seems like he's he's trying to reference like a Hemingway daiquiri or really right. like or the Papa Doble, which was like kind of the daiquiri that Hemingway actually liked to drink, which is not really what we think of as a Hemingway daiquiri today, which was double the rum, double the lime juice, triple the grapefruit juice, the same amount of maraschino and no sugar. But famously, that is an absolutely disgusting drink yeah. that Hemingway liked just because he was an alcoholic. Yeah. That's 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 all that was. It's like I can make this slightly palatable, uh, and I'm gonna throw it down my face. Um, as we discussed in the daiquiri episode, he might have been using key lime juice, so we should probably try it with key lime juice before we decide for <laughs> sure that it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I'm gonna say that that changes the game, like so slightly it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> And I, I don't want to drink that spec. Um, I don't want to drink any of these specs, really. Uh, well, guys, I mean, you know, okay, maybe he made one mistake on a daiquiri, but he had another column about a daiquiri variation, and I'm sure this one, this one you're going to like. One mistake on a daiquiri and, and how many regarding other human beings? <laughs> uh, this, this one, you're going to be impressed by this one. Thank you for listening to our episode on this uh, 
let's say unique drinks column uh, to hear more of us uh, making fun of this column, uh, please check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash not too sweet. We have uh, many more drinks to go through, uh, each more frightening and disgusting than the last. Um, uh, yeah, if you check out our Patreon, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. It's only $5 a month. Get at least two bonus episodes every month. We're aiming for four bonus episodes every month. Um, yeah, there'll be lots of exclusive content, and we'll that money will go to sort of uh, helping us purchase equipment uh, for recording these podcasts, give us better quality, maybe some equipment for us to do some live streams on uh, YouTube and or Twitch that may be coming soon, hopefully. Um, but either way, we really appreciate you listening to this. Um, thank you very much, and cheers. I think-